This Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, my fellow freedom lovers. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. And I want to thank you for joining me this week as we celebrate your Independence Day by doing a deep dive into the Declaration of Independence. And today, we're going to talk about the seeds of a revolution. Because your Declaration of Independence wasn't written by Thomas Jefferson just, you know, out of just pure shock and awe. This didn't just happen. This didn't just wake up and hey, hey, guess what? We don't like England. We want to be independent and we want to be free. There was a lot of events that led up to that amazing foundational document that your country is built on. And today I want to do the seeds of the revolution. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly when your revolution really started. You know, you can point to, you know, the early 1700s. You can say and accurately say, I believe that your revolution started the minute those colonists got onto the Mayflower because you were a different nation from them, the way the first settlers settled in America and how they acted, you know, from the first Thanksgiving, what they were trying to get away from. But for the purpose of this, we're going to say the revolution started on October 9th, 1651. And what happened on October 9th, 1651? Well, in England, in Parliament, there was a bill passed. And that bill was called the Navigation Act. And what that bill did was it effectively controlled all trade between Great Britain and all the colonies and the rest of the world. You see, Great Britain and the Parliament in Great Britain only really cared about Great Britain. That was what their job was. And basically what they said, this law said, was there is to be no trade with foreign nations. There is no trade whatsoever. That only trade that can happen within the colonies is run by British men on British ship and British fisheries. Obviously, this ticked a lot of people off because, you know, if you can not think in 2019, but if you can think of the 1600s, you know, it wasn't exactly easy to have communication with Britain. And it wasn't like there could be a discourse, a back and forth, you know. It's not like, hey, you passed this law in Great Britain today. Hey, I'm going to get onto Skype and phone you or have a chat with you and go, hey, this is why I'm really angry. So what would happen is all these laws would come months after they'd been passed and all of a sudden they're told, hey, you can't do this. Well, why can't they? Well, the king and parliament have passed this new law. I'm not happy about this. Well, tell the king. You know, it's not like you could get on a plane and go to Parliament and go, Mr. King, I'm not happy with this for one, two, three reasons. So a lot of these laws were passed, and it's why you had the, t- the phrase, no taxation without representation. There was very little representation of the American colonies in English Parliament. So this control started to happen. All the period of time, there's an un- a lot of unease, a lot of unhappiness, a lot of bad things happening. Now we fast forward to March 1733. There's still a lot of unhappiness, a lot of different things happening, but the revolution isn't really in full gear. Just a lot of people are unhappy about the, 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 the aspect of control run by Britain. And in March 1733, they passed another law and they increased the regulations on wool, on hats, and on molasses. Molasses was a big thing. They used to make rum with it. And what they did was they basically had competition. 
And what they wanted to do was to erase all their competition. So they put a tax of six pence per gallon on all non-English molasses. Because it was cheaper than the French West Indies. What this led to, if you can imagine, six pence back then in 1733 was a lot of money. Now, naturally, if you if you know anything about American history and you know about the early settlers, they were a very rebellious bunch. They just weren't, you know, the appeasement kind of guy. Oh, okay, there's a new tax. Oh, we'll follow the law. What they did was they rarely paid this tax. Oh, yeah, there's a new sixpence. I don't care. And what happened? Smuggling increased. And smuggling became rather rife in the colonies. You know, you even had this in the 1900s when you, you know, you had prohibition. You know, the great thing about the American people is when they don't like something, they're very clear in that they don't like it, but they won't comply with what someone else tells them they have to do. There's that great rebellious streak and it's been in your, in your people since your founding. Well, because of the situation in the 1730s and the 1740s, while it was hard to get communication back in you to tell the king you were unhappy, it was also very hard to enforce laws because they were all the way over there in England. So England passed all these laws, but they were very hard to enforce. Now fast forward to November 1st, 1765, and another law is passed in the English Parliament, and it's the Stamp Act. And basically what this says is that all printed materials, any printing that you do, it must be printed on stamped paper. And what that paper, how you paid for that paper was through British currency. And what the excuse for this act was by the British Parliament was, was you were to, this was basically to pay for the troops that were stationed in your nation. Because at this time there was the French and Indian War. And they claimed, the British claimed that, well, look, you know, the troops are there for your protection so that France doesn't invade you. Even though if you asked and you look about history and you talk about what the American colonists thought of today, they didn't fear much of the French invading America. They kind of said, we're all the way out here. We're, we're a million miles away from you. Not a million miles actual, but in, in 1730s, a million miles away from Great Britain. But it still passed the act. It was to pay for those troops. And this act led to the phrase no taxation with representation because they felt we don't want to pay this tax it's this is not our war we we're not very fearful of france invading us then what happens is there's a person called charles townshend and he passed a load of acts through parliament and he's the chancellor of the exchequer and he does not like the american colonies very much he's he sees you as this rebellious troublesome lot you know you just you need to you know we need to put you in your place you know you american people you you're only like a little speck to us we're the great british empire and you just need to be sit down and shut up and do what we say so he passes a load of acts and the first one is on june 5th 1767 and basically what it was, was the New York Assembly and the New York Governor said they were told, you cannot pass any new laws. We are stopping you passing any laws to control your people until you follow the Quartering Act. And the Quartering Act was a law enforced by British, um, British Parliament that said that what has to happen is, you see, we have British troops over in your country, and they're there for your protection. They weren't, they were there to enforce the laws, but they're there for your protection. You gotta pay for their food. And not only have you gotta pay for their food, but you gotta pay to house those soldiers. And New York said, the hell we do, they're British troops, you can pay for them. The British people can pay for them. And they said, no, you're not, well, if you feel that way, you have no power. The New York Assembly has no power. That was the first one. 
Fast forward to June 26, 1767, and they start raising new taxes. They raise taxes on glass, on lead, on colors, and paper. But that wasn't the real... That was kind of like the, the, you know, if you see the intention of the act, you know, this is what the act says we're going to do, but there's a hidden intention. There's an ulterior motive to this plan. What this law did and why it was really, really bad was they created more customs officials. Because if I, if you remember correctly what I said to you about, you know, the start of this revolution, you lot were rebellious lot. You didn't like the idea of, hey, you know what, we're going to pay more taxes, and you started to smuggle more. Well, what this new law in 1767 did was it created more customs officials, but it gave them a lot more power to do what they wanted. They were had more power to enforce the laws. They had more power to punish smugglers. And what they also had, and if you start listening to this, listen to and understand what's in your constitution. There's a reason for it. People just didn't pick out the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence just by chance. They lived this experience. What they had under this new law was what they called a general warrant. And the reason for the general warrant was that they could search private property. If they thought you were a smuggler, if they thought you weren't paying taxes, they could just say, hey, we need a general warrant. You know, so-and-so Joe Bloggs over there, I think he's a smuggler. He's a, he's a, he's a troublemaker. So they had general power just to go, hey, we think you're a smuggler. Here's a general warrant. We're going to search your private property. If you need help with this, this is what kind of led to the Fourth Amendment, to be secure in your persons and your papers. Now, fast forward to June 29th, 1767, and you had the Indemnity Act. And what this is, is basically a law that says no new taxes on a certain product. Now, this is a bit harder to explain, but bear with me. Over back at that period of time, England was the Great British Empire. The sun never set on the English Empire. And there was a company called the British East India Tea Company. And it was the the cash cow of the English taxpayers. It created so many money. It created taxes. It created jobs. Because what they would do is they would take tea from the the British East India Company. They would import it into England, you know, mix it up, change it, repackage it, and then ship it out to the colonies. And the colonists would have to pay for it. Now, if you think about the logistics of that, it's it's adding expense. You know, it wasn't easy to ship things from the East India Company to England and then on to, you know, for colonies like America. So other companies could do things cheaper. And one of those was Dutch tea. And because there's a lot of bad blood between the English and the, the, the American colonists at the time, the colonists started buying the Dutch tea. One kind of, I believe, to stick it to the English person going, hey, we don't need your tea. You know, screw you, kind of. But also it was cheaper. So what they did was pass this law that basically said no new tax, which basically made the English tea cheaper. And then, of course, the colonists, you know, bought, had to buy the English tea because they weren't going to pay for more expensive Dutch tea. Same day, June 29th, 1767, another law passes. You have the Commissioners of Custom Act. And this is linked to the act we just spoke. And what they did was they spoke about new customs boards. They appointed Boston. Massachusetts was a big hotbed. You know, if you think of the Boston Tea Party, the Boston Massacre. Boston, Massachusetts, and Massachusetts was a really rebellious state. They they really had issues with the king. They really had issues with the Redcoats. And they appointed five new commissioners. And then eventually they went to new ports. And what they had to do was they had to enforce regulations. They had more powers. 
But they also had a job of increasing revenue because around this time, England was involved in different wars and it was becoming very costly for the, the British Parliament, the British King, because, you know, kings are not just, you know, how should we say this nicely? They're not men of the people. Monarchs are not, you know, they don't live the commoner lifestyle. They live a, a lifestyle that's a bit more luxurious. And if, you know, if you ever want to annoy the king, you know, start affecting their lifestyle. If they can't have the same food and the same, you know, standard of travel and, and you know, the same servitude and the same standard of living, that will really take a king or a queen off. It's always worked through history. So they had to increase revenue. And what happened was there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of angst and a lot more anger. You can start seeing this anger brewing among the colonists. They're not happy. They're, you're passing all these laws. You're taxing us. You're, you've been a tyrant. The king has been a tyrant. And this unease, and especially in Massachusetts, leads to a lot of things that we, you know, became famous. The Boston Massacre. You know, John Adams, where they fired into a crowd. There's that angst, there's that anger, there's a lot of, you know, back and forth events. It also led to the Boston Tea Party in 1773, where, you know, there's a lot of anger, and basically they raid the ship, and there's 342 chests of tea, and they throw it all overboard. You know, if you see the pictures, you can read all about this. Well, fast forward a year, and now Charles Townshend is dead. So, but there's still laws been passed that are just really trying to stick it to the man. And on July 6th, 1768, they passed the Vice Admiralty Court Act. And this set up three new courts. It set one up in Boston, it set one up in Philadelphia, and it set up one up in Charlestown. And basically what they're really trying to do is really stick it to the colonists, to really put you in your place. What they're trying to do is they can, the British Parliament, the British King can see, you know, you're not taking the hints, you know, in British, American people, you're supposed to sit down and lay down. I'm your King, dumbass. Just sit down and shut up. But the American people weren't doing this, so they had to put you in your place, and they're passing all these laws just to get you to comply, just to to get you to, you know, submit to my will. And one of the things they did was they incentivized the Crown to find people guilty. So if the Crown brought said, hey, you're a smuggler, they would bring a fine to you. Well, 5% of the, the fee or the fine that you had to pay went to the Crown. So there's an incentive for me to find you guilty. You start seeing things like, you remember, you know, principles that we'd later talk about. You're innocent until proven guilty. Well, the crown had an incentive to prove you guilty before you're innocent. There was also, the decision was not made by a jury. It was made by the crown who had that incentive of, hey, if I find you innocent, you know, I only get a fee. If I find you guilty, I get 5% of your fine. So there's no trial by jury. There's other aspects of this law which make it, it's, if you're found that, hey, we have this accusation against you, we think you're a smuggler, you're, you've avoided paying tax, we would bring you and say you have to appear at this court. If you had to appear in court to, to answer your, the crime, you had to pay to get there. And sometimes they weren't close. Again, bear in mind, this might not seem like a big deal in 2019. Hey, I've got to get to the local court, big deal. In 1700s, it's a very big deal. If, if that court is like 20 miles away from you, it's a lot of expense to get there. And it's not like, hey, I'll get a cab or I'll get an Uber or a Lyft or I'll jump on the subway. It's horse and carriage. But here's the other aspect of it. If you did not show up to your court appearance at that time, 
you were automatically assumed guilty. They did not have to make a case against you. No evidence was presented. You're guilty by no show. Guilty by association. This idea that you are not innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty if you do not show up. This started all the ball rolling towards a revolution. Now fast forward to 1774. And the f- most important thing to remember about those, the start of the American Revolution is when the American Revolution started, they were not fighting to be an independent state, to be an in- independent country, to be the United States that we think about. All they wanted is this uprising could have been quelled and we would live in a very different world if the king had simply done one thing. Listened. If the king had listened to what the colonists were saying and had actually played ball and had allowed them representation in parliament and had not been a tyrant, the world would be incredibly different. We spoke about this on a show. Why do I not want things to be easy in this world? Because if things were easy and no bad things happened, you would not have the good things that we have today. If we did not have a tyrant in king in the King of England back then, you would not have America. You would not have the world that we live in today. That is a simple fact. Look how much you've changed the world. So 1774, Massachusetts are getting really screwed by all these new laws. There's a lot of angst there. The people are unhappy. Like John Adams are really annoyed. So what happens? They set up the Continental Congress. They lead set up the Continental Army, which George Washington would later take charge of. And they set up this Congress to coordinate the resistance to Britain. Then fast forward a couple of months. April 19th, 1775. And what we would all call today the shot that's heard around the world at Lexington Lexington and Concord. See, what happened back then was Massachusetts is a real rebellious state. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of resentment. They just don't like the king. And what happened was they started arming themselves and they had a barracks at Lexington and Concord where there's a lot of troops, there's a lot of ammunition. And the British said, you know what, we need to get them. We need to put them in their place. They will comply with the king. So they sent 700 troops with the ambition and the aim to capture, but also to destroy any militaries, the supplies they found to to stop this rebellion. That, you know, we're the great British Empire. We're the Redcoats. We have the most trained army out there. We are good at war. We have lots of experience. Those colonists, they're just a bunch of hicks, a bunch of farmers. If we just squash this before it even gets started, we'll win. Well, what happens? People like Paul Revere, people like Samuel Prescott, with their infrastructure of, hey, spying and finding out intel, knew this was coming. The people at Lexington and Concord knew that these 700 troops are coming. And it started the battle that we would later call the War of Independence. This is what started the American Revolution. Tomorrow, we will talk about 1776 and Thomas Jefferson talking about the Declaration of Independence. I ask you to join me as we will release another episode tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern. Remember, please share this with your family, your friends. This is not about this show. This is about getting a message out there. So when you celebrate Independence Day this week, you know exactly what you're celebrating. It's free. There's no adverts. It's on all major platforms. We're on Apple, iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on OmniFM. We're on CastBox. You name it, we're, we're there. We're on Google Play Music as well. 
Please share these shows. And remember, a new podcast is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, where we discuss the news of the day, not from a political side, but from a principal side. So please subscribe. And if you listen on iTunes, please leave a rating and review. And tune in tomorrow, Tuesday, as we talk about the Declaration of Independence and Thomas Jefferson's great words. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.